happy Valentine's Day. This is a special edition of Women, Wine, and Leadership, talking about sex, wine, and sleep for women over 50. I am interviewing Melinda Poland, who specializes in women's health at the Strata Integrated Wellness Center. She taught a little class for our group at the Life Strategy Retreat in November at the Garden of the Gods Resort, and she wanted to come back and talk more because we can never get enough of strategies to live fully alive, and I mean everywhere. So this is going to be a fun one. Happy Valentine's Day. Grab yourself a glass of wine and join us. Today's episode is with Melinda Poland, one of the women's health specialists at Strata Integrated Wellness Center. Melinda, you were part of the faculty with my women's leadership retreat here at the Garden of the Gods Resort just a few months ago and got to come and talk with our with our women about women's health a little bit and and we didn't have nearly enough time because I think we had a lot more questions than you could cover in the small amount of time. So I appreciate you coming back to the podcast to share some ideas um, that can help women who are entering changes over 50. (laughs) Do we want to say that out loud? It's not anything to be ashamed of. Let's get it out there. Let's just get it out there. When we turn 50 and we start to wonder if some of the things that are different in our experience, in our energy, in the way that we feel. And you even had to remind me that we wanted to talk about memory because I had forgotten. (laughs) That's true. It's so true that we um, sometimes start to forget things or walk into a room and look around wondering why we came in here. And we're not sure if we're experiencing this because we're over 50 and our hormones are going through a reinvention or is this just because we're very um, pressed on all sides, very busy. I hate to use that word because it rhymes with dizzy. I don't think busy should be an excuse, but sometimes it is an explanation for why our brains are overloaded. So um, let's just start there and talk about the things that we start to discover when we enter our 50s that we might attribute to hormones. And um, and tell us, you know, what is the 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 indicator that you should actually go and see a specialist and get some help? Well, I think when your husband locks himself in a closet, when you come home would probably be a good indicator (laughs) that maybe something needs to go change. But I I think when I see women, especially when they're in their 50s, um, one of the first things that comes out is that they're really concerned about their mood. It's a mood issue. They don't feel like themselves. There's a sense of depression, irritability, anxiety comes out, short-temperedness. Um, it affects their marriage. They're, you know, just overall, they don't like themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's one of the first things people notice even before the hot flashes. Right. Well, what do you think that is? Is it that you look in the mirror and say, who is that person? Um, honestly, my own theory is is that as our hormones start to change, the receptors in our neurochemistry start to change. Um, we know that our gut health starts to change. I mean, lots of things are going on in our 50s that impact our behavioral and mental health status. And hormones definitely are a piece of that. But remember, as we age, everything is aging too. Our whole cellular structure is aging. Our, 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 our guts are changing. Yeah. Um, we're learning more about gut health these days and, and the, uh, our neurotransmitters that are 
um, in our colon. 80, 85% of our neurotransmitters are generated in the gut. It's yeah. crazy. And I see so many women that are suffered from constipation. Yes. They go hand in hand. <laughs> and I see a woman who, that's one of the first things I, I assess when I'm talking about women's hormones and their mood is let's look at their gut health. Yes. So there was a program that says it's all in the gut. Uh-huh. Um, and it is really all in the gut. So when I'm trying to balance somebody's hormones, I'm also looking at thyroid and their gut health primarily, as well as hormones, of course. But um, sometimes you don't even need to prescribe hormones at first or ever if you get other parts of their body healthy. So if you modify your diet a little bit. And when you're talking about gut health, um, the first thing that comes to mind is that different foods react in our body differently in our 50s than they used to, right? Absorption is probably the biggest piece of that. So when you look at food as code, I had an instructor tell me that once. Yeah. Um, When you look at food as code for your cells, Mm -hmm. it makes a little bit more sense. For instance, a grape is going to do something for your cells. A blueberry is going to do something for your cells. Salmon is going to do something for your cells. So not necessarily looking at the traditional carbohydrate, protein, fats, but looking at the actual type of food that you're eating. So that kind of dovetails in with like when you say eat a colorful diet, Mm -hmm. that's really saying pick varieties of foods because each of those food types is doing something different. Would you say that that plethora of food will be different for every person? Well, it depends on their genetics. It depends on their absorption. So mm-hmm. there's some people who have a difficult time with methyl- methylation in the, in the liver where they're not really able to process, like, say, a folic acid okay. better, you know, so that then they get more overall body inflammation. Uh-huh. Homocysteine levels get high, you know, so... So in that, that could be a genetic issue that comes out later in life, that maybe when we were more resilient in our younger years, maybe wasn't as much of a factor. We didn't notice it as much. Right. We were a lot healthier, a lot more resilient. But as we get older, some of that resiliency starts to change. So how do you start to uh, help a woman with her self-awareness, you know, tracking what foods work in her body and which ones don't? Well, there's a lot to be said for doing food allergy testing, the all-cat food allergy test. Yeah. A lot of women can do that to see what their sensitivities are. You can do genetic screening with like that advanced version of the 23andMe. Mm-hmm. Dr. Powell does a lot of that with the 23andMe, looking at mutations on absorption issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are two tools that you can use as yeah. well. Um, I don't think you need to have to go to that extent necessarily if you look at lifestyle overall. Mm-hmm. So if I'm seeing somebody and they're going through some of the, I call it kind of the, the crazy time in menopause, yeah. and we're looking at hormone health, but I'm also going to be looking at diet, constipation, gut health, as well as what's going on in their schedule. Where are they? Because when we get older, as you and I were talking about earlier, women in their 50s start to feel invisible Mm -hmm. in society and with our careers and our families and that pressure really can add to that irritation and that agitation Mm -hmm. coupled with not sleeping very well which affects brain chemistry so i love that you mentioned feelings though because i um have been 
overdosing in information about how our emotions actually play into physical symptoms. And several people have, have said that constipation might possibly be linked to uh, a communication issue or emotions that I've kept bottled up. It, oh, they, I absolutely think that's true. Yeah. So if we can fix the health of the colon, otherwise if you're constipated, you are recirculating toxins over and over and over. Our bodies have this great ability to do that. When things get unhealthy in the colon, mm -hmm. you become porous, which is called leaky gut. Yeah. And all those toxins are freely moved back over to the recirculation system. Oh. And you recirculate toxins. And that's why you can actually feel toxic. Sick. I have been in that state before when yes. I just feel like my body is toxic. I can taste it in my tongue. Feel Coffee awful. doesn't taste the same. Wine doesn't taste the same. You know how important wine is to me. And you feel sick overall, just mm -hmm. lethargic. Achy. Achy. Mm -hmm. Joint, it, well, you're inflamed. Yeah, exactly. You're inflamed. And so if you did an inflammation marker, like a CRP, C-reactive protein, we use that as a, a marker, uh -huh. You would it would probably be high. Wow. Now, that can also be a marker for, you know, cardio, you know, health as well. But you can use it for also overall body inflammation okay. as well. Well, you know, it's interesting. We got into the conversation about gut, which is a natural combination when you're talking about the changes that happen in early 50s for women. Um, would you say that some of the memory issues that I might be experiencing, we're just, let's just diagnose me while we're at Okay, <laughs> let's do it. No, no, if I'm experiencing memory issues, could that be related to the foods that I'm eating, or is that wholly something different related to hormone changes? No, I think it's completely related to all of that absorption. Mm -hmm. So if your gut is unhealthy and you're eating what you think is a healthy diet, hopefully it is, yeah. but it may not be absorbing the way that you want, feel like it should be. Right. So, um, so that's why I think variety is looking at like what could what could you be adding food source wise yeah that might be food you know for your code for your body yeah in, in fixing some of these yeah I love that food is code uh, whole approach it sounds like it it's it really needs to be customized and kind of guided by somebody who knows what they're doing well and, and it's an awareness uh -huh. so I always tell people they don't necessarily have to think calories as much as they're thinking variety mm -hmm. so um, when you think of variety in portions and the types of foods sometimes it's as simple as a diet grocery store change on yeah. how you shop yeah and the variety of vegetables that you break out and get um, Charlene Wang our energy nutrition specialist uh -huh. here um, is going to take me on a field trip to the Asian market. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I love the Asian market, but I don't know what... Don't know what to buy. I don't know what to buy there. Or how to prepare it. I have no idea. But right. I do know that it's probably healthier than what I'm getting at Safeway right now. Mm -hmm. In terms of just the... The variety. The, uh, and probably the organic state. Right. And yeah. the freshness of the fish. Right, right. You know, that they, that they actually oh. fly in versus... Um, you know, Ship on stores. ice, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it is interesting. I know for a fact that I tend to buy the same vegetables all the time because I know how to prepare them, and I just don't want to be bothered with. It's our go-to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it is important to vary that. It is. Uh, 
Because your body gets used to those. Right. And then we don't absorb it the same that we Not, used to. You don't use it the same. And your cells might be requiring something that's in that other type of vegetable that is going to reprogram your mm -hmm. cells, your cellular structure, your mitochondria. Yeah. Do you think our body instinctively knows what we're craving so that if we encounter another food, we'll say, ooh, that sounds good? Or do you think there's a natural resistance to trying new things? That's a theory that's been, you know, kind of proposed for several years is whether or not we should listen to our appetite on cravings. Uh -huh. And I don't think it's been substantiated in the research. Well, I could crave chocolate every day. So I could crave Chardonnay. Yeah, exactly. But I've actually learned that when I give in to those cravings, even though against my better judgment, I end up regretting it. Sometimes even just a, a small two-ounce piece of chocolate can give me a headache and even exacerbate stomach problems. <laughs> Well, and then there's that whole guilt piece of that, mm -hmm. too. Because if we give in to our comfort foods yeah, because we're not feeling good emotionally, then it's just going to be, be ourselves up about it. Right. You know? Well, somebody brought this up because, you know, I, I do wine retreats. We did one here at the Guy and the Gods. And um, somebody asked me how I grew up in a household with two alcoholics and can still continue to drink alcohol. And I always say, well, I don't really consider wine in the category of alcohol it's more of an art and uh, yet I I sometimes I have to ask myself if I use that as an excuse because uh, occasionally I might want a glass of wine and because I feel like I need it and that's exactly when I say no if I feel like I need a glass of wine that's exactly when I go for a walk instead hopefully don't tell my husband that because he might actually call me on it well I think wine is a fun hobby you know I mean for some it's a you know it's their career but um, my daughter and I did the wine train in Napa Valley mm -hmm. a couple of years ago and it was a great experience learning about all the different foods that go with different types of grapes um, what goes in it's a science so it's like yeah. what feeds the grapes what climate do they need what climates are better than other climates on different years and yeah. so I think there's a whole it's almost like a wine entomology about that. Absolutely. Whereas, like, if you were fly fishing, you're learning the science of the river. Uh-huh. You're learning about the hatching. You're learning about which seasons have different bugs, which larva is this or that. I like to fly fish. Yeah, but, I, I do, but, too. But, but you, you can get into those nitty-gritties, whereas somebody might want to just go out and cast a worm. Um, you got to look at it differently. Mm hmm And I think that's where your wine is at. Yeah. Yeah, you're looking at it differently. Right, right. It's so that's that's what I would bring into that conversation. An art form, and there's still some moderation involved in that. I think we had too much wine at the retreat that was here, even though we tried to scale it back. Yeah, we, it's it's easy to to overdo it, but the dynamic of the group. Uh huh. Absolutely. Uh, what is your advice to somebody who is just entering that stage where they're starting to become aware of things that aren't usual or starting to look in the mirror and say, I don't recognize this person anymore? Well, what I like to do is I, I like to bring, bring those women in and kind of get an overall health history um, with everything, their whole body, risk factors, genetics, um, lifestyle, uh, social mm -hmm. is a huge, you know, what, what's going on with their career, their family, um, taking a good look at the whole picture 
and then trying to kind of help decide which would be the, the first place to start. Because mm-hmm. when you throw a lot of things at people, you don't know what's working. Right. So in that in that situation, I would look at you know where they're at with their menstrual history. If they still have their uterus, if they don't have their uterus, um, I have to I have to depend on mood and, mm-hmm. and physical symptoms. I can't go on menstruation. That leads to a really interesting question. As somebody who doesn't have an ovary, um, I'm <laughs> I'm going to back that up. Somebody who doesn't have their uterus anymore, but still has their ovaries, they don't have the indicator. Right. To remind them that this is a time when they might be experiencing those that menstrual change. So what's a good way for um, for women to just become more self-aware about that's that, you know, when we can't depend on that, that signal of the menstruation change, then we have to go on physical symptoms, you know, memory, hot flashes, mood, which is what usually is coming first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of women in midlife start to have relationship problems, and so a lot of times they'll come in. Mm-hmm. I've had their husbands escort them in and yeah. saying, "Fix my wife; she's mm-hmm. not the same." Um, and digging in a little bit deeper, a lot of times that's there's more to that than just yeah. the wife, of course. But Absolutely, I'm not a counselor, but yeah, we can't we can't blame it completely on a woman and her hormones. But no. I know that the guys talk about this. <laughs> Guys talk about it a lot, um, and I think their perspective is tainted with society. I mean, I'm going back to that. I'm I'm angry about it, about society and how they're viewing middle-aged women Mm -hmm. um, in the media, um, and I think that that basically taints at least the men in my generation. Yeah. I think that men in my daughter's generation probably are different. They're I starting hope. to change. But men in my generation still were brought up in the 70s. Yeah. You know, that was a bad, I mean, think about the 70s and women. Yeah. It was horrible, you know. Well, um, that's also an era when women were were really busting open gates, but working against a heavy opposition too. And I think it, it's where you grew up. When I grew up, I grew up in a very conservative family. Mm-hmm. And I remember when women were criticized for driving. You really? Know. So women drivers were a joke. Wow. You know, and that's, you know, I mean, I, I, that was normal. I grew up thinking that, you know, well, women are, you know, not superior to men. And it was, you know, that we should, our goal should be to look good. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a heavy emphasis on just on that making your husband proud, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, hopefully, that's change changing. I do think that this younger generation is demanding it different. That's good, and that and not looking at you know trading the old model in for the new model, the trophy wife. I know that's you know, but I see that in women who come in and about midlife. And, there ha- and a lot of divorces happen. Right. Yeah. I thought it was funny when my friend's husband said uh, on her 50th birthday, yeah, I thought about trading her in for a pair of 25-year-olds and decided to keep her. And it sounded funny when they'd been married for 30 years. But when he left her a few years later, later <laughs> it no longer became funny. Right. Yeah. It, um, it, it's really sad that... that somebody would want to cash in <laughs> in a, such a uh, lifelong relationship 
just I, because I, some I things see it all the time. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I do because I see the women not only they're struggling with these changes, um, but they're struggling now with getting into having to cre recreate their whole life. We talked about one of the things that brought us together for for this interview is that I posted that uh, post on Facebook about my Christmas tree being naked and <laughs> and um, not decorating the tree because the kids weren't home to decorate it. We were going through a change in life um, and that reinvention is not only a change in the way that we relate to our husbands or our significant others, but it's a change in the way that we relate to our kids, our responsibility in their lives. There's a lot going on. Would you say that women might be experiencing some level of PTSD because of all these changes happening at the same time? I think that it's that anxiety, that depression that floods us at this time. When I saw your post, I completely resonated with that and I thought, I know exactly how she's feeling. Yeah. That's how I felt when my daughter went to college. You know, um, just like, okay, well, I guess it's up to me to have to do this, this, and this, or decorate <laughs> the cookies, or um, those traditions are changing right. as we're getting older. And that does lead to some amount of loss. Yeah. You know, well, it's important to acknowledge that and to get some camaraderie around it. <laughs> Nobody talks about it, though. Nobody talks about that, that loss of change. So you're moving on to a different phase in your life, and you're wondering kind of, all right, well, how can I compete with this younger generation? Right. You know, um, you know, just even looking at my, my career, I'm looking at myself and how many years I've been a nurse practitioner is longer than some of my new nurse practitioners have ever have been alive. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. I know, and so that makes you feel kind of old, you know, like what's left of what, you know, you know, like what, what am I gonna do with my, the next 10 years? But that's a lifetime of experience, so how can you discount the quality of that value? Because I think women do that to themselves. I right. think we discount on ourselves as we get older. Yeah. And it shouldn't be that way, but it's, it, it's, it's how it is right now, and I'm bound and determined to change it. Yeah. You know, to change that and help women guide them through that transition. It's about a 10-year transition. Right, it's, right. It's a long time from the, the very onset when you start feeling a little bit off kilter, and it's about the time when our kids leave home. Yeah. Or start graduating from high school. Right to about 10 years after that fact. Because when you think about it, that's before, when you're still having periods, if you're having uterus, they might start getting a little heavier, a little bit of change, you might start noticing a little bit of more emotional peace. Mm -hmm. And during that 10 year time, you've gone through completely having these organs in your body, these, these glands shut down. Right. They, they just stop, they stop working. And that, creates a host of symptoms host, that seems scary because you don't know what's going on but if you start looking for it and you have help <laughs> and you have help and I think that because of those gradual changes and it can seem like it's overnight but it really happens over time yeah. um, there's a there's a fair amount of um, you know research in on a bioidentical hormone replacement therapy in various forms um, to help transition through that time frame, and I do a lot of bioidenticals, mm -hmm. um, 
And I use five hormones a lot of times. I don't just use estrogen and progesterone. People think, well, that's, you know, that's the main players. But I use testosterone, mm -hmm. DHEA for adrenal function, mm -hmm. pregnenolone. Mm -hmm. Nobody hears about pregnenolone, but it's our mother hormone, and it is highly responsible for memory. Oh, yeah. So, so there's some women who I'll have in a compound, and I'll put in a little scotia pregnenolone, um, some DHEA, testosterone, you know, for a lot of those women yeah. that need some energy. Yeah. Um, and to help with strength. Right. So we're not just talking about our goal isn't libido necessarily. It's, but that's in there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in there, but we're hitting these other receptors that are also responsible for helping our weight, you know, maintain. Like, it's harder to lose weight when we get older. Right. Um, our body changes. Well, you hit on a really significant point that I think we need to, to ask before we close this edition. We're going to have to do this again. Um, libido. Women in this age window might have friends who have a super high libido, and they might wonder, what's wrong with me? And we used to think in our 30s, we thought, well, if my libido is low, it's just because I'm chasing children. So in our 50s, when our kids have driver's licenses and we don't have to <laughs> drive them all over the place, right. what's the explanation? Is it hormonal? Just low testosterone. Yeah. If I measure somebody's testosterone and it's zero, um, they're not going to have the arousal. They're not going to have that interest. They're not going to have that physiologic lubrication, mm -hmm. which is harder because the skin is also changing at the same time. Yeah. Making intercourse painful. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a whole host. Our, our clitoris shrinks. Oh. People don't realize that. But it's not just the hormones, but our body's physical structures actually change. Interesting. So with, with that, and it's a gland. Uh-huh. And it's an important gland. Uh -huh. It's got lots of nerve endings. Right. That's why we orgasm. <laughs> so when we don't have that, mm -hmm. and it's smaller, and it's, I mean, honestly, you, you feel like you're just dull. Mm -hmm. A lot of women explain that. They just don't feel like there's any sort of arousal right. at all. They feel like they like have dull. to fabricate it in order to yeah, make things happy. So yeah. So there's so treating women's, and I, I don't even want to call it sexual dysfunction because it's not. It's not a sexual dysfunction. It's a sexual change. Yeah, and just a reality to be prepared for. But you can help it. With you know, hormones. With hormones. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so if somebody's listening and she says, I need to meet this woman, how should they look you up, Melinda? I'll definitely put the Strata uh, link in the show notes. Um, through Strata, um, I'm only part-time here, mm -hmm. so I might be getting another position at a different location. So I would say Google. I'm, I'm on Google right now. Uh -huh. So, um, or... I don't mind giving out my home phone number. You know, they have it at the front desk if somebody wanted to contact me. Okay. If I'm landing somewhere else. Right. Um, you know, and I've thought about going out on my own, you know, doing some consultation work too. Well, and that's fantastic. And let's say that somebody's not in the Colorado Springs area and they want to look for a professional. What should they Google? What's the, the line that they should Google to find the right kind of professional who knows how to help? Probably anybody that does bioidentical compounding. Mm -hmm. So if they are even in their own communities, I always say start with the compounding pharmacies yeah. in your area. And ask. Because they will see people who are open 
to prescribing, and usually if they're open to prescribing and they're writing active prescriptions, you'd hope that they would know what they were doing. Mm -hmm. and, and typically they do. Otherwise, people who don't feel comfortable won't prescribe. Okay. So that's where I lead people. Okay. Your that's local really compounder. Compounding pharmacy. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good point. Of course, I didn't discover those till I had a doctor who said you can't go to the, your regular pharmacy. You have to go to this. Go to a compounding pharmacy. But you can look up compounding pharmacy too in um, right. Google. We don't have yellow pages anymore. I know. <laughs> I know. I miss it. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But I love that the whole world is right at our fingertips. So it's well, nice. It's really great to get to, to chat with you about this, and I hope that somebody finds some solution in just realizing that they're not alone in whatever they're experiencing. And oh, well, thanks for having me. I, I could talk about this forever and hopefully making some changes in the way women age. Yeah. We want to age better. Right, right. I think we're on the verge of, of some new practices and habits that will make that possible. I think so. It's an exciting time. Yep. Thanks, Melinda. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Women, Wine, and Leadership. If you're looking for more personal strategies to live your whole life in a really excellent way, I encourage you to go to 360 Life Strategies on Facebook and just check out all the strategies that we post on a regular basis. Stay in touch with our conversation on Instagram at Donna Carlson 360. And you know, if you're curious and you want to know what else is going on, go to 360lifestrategies.com, sign up for a mail list. And most of all, would you rate this podcast? Because gosh, I just want to know what's working for you and what we should keep doing. Have a great day and join us next time.